You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. When you have that wonderful experience and God allows you to have it, don't just say, wasn't that just out of this world? Wasn't that great? No, say something like, hallelujah. It ought to be a regular habit in life. Every time you get the paycheck and hopefully set aside the first fruits from that paycheck, say, thank you, Lord. Praise your name. I'm unworthy, but thank you. You're so gracious to me. You're providing for me. But I made a regular habit in life, praising the Lord. The world would like you to think that everything that you have is a result of the force of your own will and the work of your own hands. While there is some truth to that, the Bible says that there is more behind your accomplishments. Pastor Danny will be teaching today about the being behind your abilities and the need for you to acknowledge Him. You'll learn the ways that the people in the Old Testament gave thanks to God. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 29 as he continues his message, Fragrant Worship. God likes financial gifts. He really does. And some of them, God tells us about. One, he likes the first fruits. Proverbs 3 verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your increase. Every time I get paid, ever since I've become a Christian, I set aside the first fruits. I believe the first fruit is the tithe. I'm not going to get into that. It's 10%. And I believe that that's the first fruit. It's always been for me and still is. So every paycheck, first thing I do is I set aside. Now it happens automatically, but I'm conscious of it. And I'm giving the Lord the first fruits. Those gifts I got this past week, those checks, a little bit of cash. You know what I did immediately? I calculated and I set aside as an offering to the Lord first fruits off of those gifts that were given to me. Because while they were given by friends and family who love me or love my family, ultimately it came through God. Ultimately. And so I want to honor him. You see, when I give the first fruits of all the increase, I'm regularly acknowledging God, without you, I'd have nothing. That's exactly what King David said when he and the Israelites were taking offerings for the building of the temple that his son Solomon would actually build, but David helped the planning of it, and he was a key fundraiser for the building of that temple. Here's what he says, recorded for us in 1 Chronicles 29, 14. Everything comes from you, and we have only given you what comes from your hand. Without you, we'd have nothing. 
first fruits, because everything we have comes from God. Let me tell you another financial gift God really takes note of and he's pleased with, gifts to the poor. Cornelius, this Roman centurion, God sends Peter to share with Cornelius and those in his house about Jesus Christ, and they all received Jesus Christ as Savior that same day. But Cornelius was already a God-fearing man. He prayed, and Peter says, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. In other words, God took note. Every time you gave gifts to the poor, God took note. He was pleased with that. And what happens is God gives Cornelius now further revelation about himself. He sends somebody to tell him about Jesus. There's an interesting verse in the Old Testament. I think it's a proverb. Didn't have it in my notes. Just popped into my mind. When we give to the poor, we lend to the Lord. That's an interesting verse, isn't it? Every time we give to the poor, we lend to the Lord. By the way, there's a, I didn't mention this in the other services, but there's a way you can do that anytime you want to here corporately. It's called our special needs. And if you ever mark an offering special needs, it'll go into a fund and we use that fund to help people that are in tough financial situations in our own fellowship and sometimes outside of our fellowship. Let me tell you another one, financial gift that God's really pleased with. When we give to missionary efforts, missionary organizations, missionary individuals that are taking the gospel beyond our borders. They're taking the gospel to places that we're not going and we're not taking it. The Apostle Paul was one of those missionaries and he and his team went far and wide in their world to share Jesus Christ. When he first started in his missionary endeavors, the only church that supported him financially was the church of Philippi. And he writes at the end of Philippians chapter 4, a word of thanks for their financial help. Here's what he said. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. Then he says this. This is interesting. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. I am so humbled and my wife and I are so thankful that where we are in our lives right now financially, God is so well taking care of us that we now can not only honor the Lord very easily with the first fruits, we're able to give beyond the first fruits. And with some of the giving beyond the first fruits, we support several missionaries and several mission agencies that we believe are worthy that are really sharing Christ around the world. And it's so exciting every time. You support one of those missionaries or one of those missions, I'm reminded God's pleased with that. That's a gift that's pleasing to him. That's a gift that's literally an offering and a sacrifice that goes up to heaven. That's what this verse tells us. Tremendous. I love the fact that when we give any kind of financial gift for the Lord, he evaluates it based on what we have, not on what we don't have. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. I don't know if you're aware or or remember, uh, Luke's gospel tells us in chapter 21 that Jesus was standing at the temple and he was watching people give their offerings in the temple treasury. Some rich people came by, some rich Pharisees came by and put in large amounts. Then this widow came and she gave the last two mites of her life. 
She gave all she had. And Jesus turned to his disciples and took the opportunity to teach them. And he said, you see all these gifts? This widow has given more than all of them because they gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. Listen, God evaluates based on what we have, not on what we don't have. Now, let me tell you a quick note there. I've had people (laughs) still... I know they're sincere, at least they're, they believe they're sincere, and they say things like, and I've had several people over the years say this, they come to me and say, Pastor, when I win the lottery, then the church won't have to worry anymore about the money. But here's the truth, it's not a question of how much you have. Jesus said, if you're faithful with a little, you'll be faithful with much, but he was not faithful with a little, they won't be faithful with much. That's the truth. And God evaluates it based on what we have, not what we don't have. Now, God's pleased with sacrificial gifts, gifts that really cost me something, not just monetarily, personally. We'll all one day as Christians stand before what's called the judgment seat of Christ. We won't be judged based on whether we're going to heaven or hell. We won't be judged for sin because Jesus paid the price for our sin and we're headed for heaven. But with that said, we will be judged based on our service to him. Let me read you a little section. 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones... Then it gives you three other choices, wood, hay, or straw. That's the cheap stuff. His work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It'll be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he'll receive his reward. If it's burned up, he'll suffer loss. But note this, he himself will be saved. He's a saved person but only as one escaping through the flames. Here's the truth based on that verse. There's some people that are really born again. They really know Jesus. They're really headed for heaven. But if you look at the whole of their Christian life, they really don't know sacrifice. And it's a shame because while they'll make it to heaven, there won't be that great commendation from the Lord. I thought about this and I pulled out of a file a story from years ago, but it was fresh for me as I read it. I hope it will be for you. An African boy listened carefully as his teacher explained why Christians were such giving people. The teacher said, Jesus taught us that giving gifts is an expression of our love and friendship for him and for each other. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. A couple of days later, The boy brought the teacher a seashell of lustrous beauty. She said, where did you ever find such a beautiful shell? The young man told her that there was only one spot where such extraordinary shells could be found. When he named the place, a certain bay several miles away, the teacher was speechless. She knew that it would have taken the young man hours to walk to the bay. He would also have faced dangers from the jungle and the rocky cliffs along the sea coast along the way. She said, why? It's gorgeous, wonderful, but why? You shouldn't have gone all that way to get the gift for me. 
The young boy's eyes brightened and he said to his teacher, long walk, part of gift. Sacrifice. And the Lord's pleased with that. God loves praise. He loves it. A lot of verses on this one, but Hebrews chapter 13 simply says this, verse 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Can I encourage you? Please, I encourage you. We all ought to make it a habit in life. When you see the beautiful sunset, don't just say, that was awesome. Say, that was awesome. Praise the Lord. When you have that wonderful experience and God allows you to have it, don't just say, wasn't that just out of this world? Wasn't that great? No, say something like, hallelujah. It ought to be a regular habit in life. Every time you get the paycheck and hopefully set aside the first fruits from that paycheck, say, thank you, Lord. Praise your name. I'm unworthy, but thank you. You're so gracious to me. You're providing for me. But I'm a regular habit in life, praising the Lord. And then there are those times when it's truly a sacrifice of praise, like the long walk part of gift. The apostles, Acts 5, beaten for their proclamation of Jesus Christ. And it says they went away after being beaten, rejoicing, praising the Lord that they had been counted worthy of suffering, disgrace for the name. Acts chapter 16, verse 25, Paul and Silas in a Philippian jail, beaten, bloodied, bruised, they're hurting. And at midnight, they begin to sing praise songs to the Lord. That's a sacrifice of praise. And it's worthwhile to take a moment and turn to Job chapter 1 as God gives Satan permission to begin to just bring an onslaught from hell against Job and his family. All his kids die in one day. One day. Can you imagine? All of his children gone in one day. And here's what Job did. Verse 20, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, then he fell to the ground in worship, and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. That's a sacrifice of praise. True sacrifice of praise. Well, a couple more. More than all the other gifts I've mentioned, and those are very important. This next one's more important than all of them. God's more pleased with this next one than any I've mentioned so far. You know what it is? Obedience. My submission to him. When he tells me what to do, if I do it, he's more pleased than any of the other offerings. First king of Israel, King Saul, disobeyed the Lord, but he tried to justify it, tried to compromise. He was to be used as Israel's king and Israel as a nation to bring judgment on a wicked people called the Amalekites. And God had said, make sure you destroy everything, wipe out the wickedness. Well, Instead, they kept the best of the spoils for themselves. And yet, Saul says, well, we did it for the Lord. 
They keep the king of the Amalekites, who they were supposed to uh, take him to, and they bring him back alive. And Saul wants to parade him through Jerusalem and say, we got the king of the enemy. Here he is. Samuel confronts King Saul. Here's what he says. Soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder and best of the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. He's saying, hey, we just kept this stuff to offer to the Lord. Samuel said to Saul, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. I can write all the checks I want. I can help the poor. I can say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And do all those things. But God says, what I'm more pleased with is when I give you direction, I give you something and say, now, here's the way, walk in it. And we do it. He's more pleased with our obedience, with our submission. And then there's one more. And this last one, if we get this one, all of the others fall right into place. You know what it is? Our bodies. Hebrews chapter 10 quotes an Old Testament messianic prophecy about Messiah. And it's very interesting. It's a bit mysterious because it's Messiah speaking before he ever enters into the world as that babe born in the Bethlehem manger. And here's what he says. Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you prepared for me. Here I am. I've come to do your will in a body. Now, The greatest gift God gave the world, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came for one express purpose. He came to die. That's why he came. That was the fulfillment of his mission. He came to die, to shed his blood, to give his life for the sins of the world. There are some people in history, and there will be some people between now and when Jesus comes, I I don't have a doubt, who will die martyrs' deaths for their faith. They will actually die. They'll give their body completely, and they will die for their faith. But for most of us, for most of us, that won't be our end. We'll die of old age. We'll die of some disease, whatever. But we probably won't die martyrs' death. I thought about this, and let me just say very quickly, if you think about it, it's easier to die a martyr death than to be this kind of sacrifice. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, here's what it says. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You see, once you die as a martyr, that's it. Then you're in glory. It's the daily getting up and making a choice and saying, Lord, I'm yours. First Corinthians tells us that we're not our own. We're bought with a price. That our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we're to glorify God in our bodies. Here's one more verse. 
Romans chapter 6. Come on, if you're willing, say it with me. Come on, let's say it. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. It's something I have to choose every day. I remember it like it was yesterday. I received Jesus as my Lord when I was 19 years old. Within a few weeks, at a Sunday night service in the Baptist church that I was a part of, I don't remember the text that Pastor Frazier spoke on. I just remember the point. I remember the invitation. The invitation was something like this. They called it full-time Christian service, but understand we're all called to full-time Christian service. But it was, if God shows you, will you go anywhere he leads you? Will you give your life? No matter what, no matter where, will you surrender? It was a Christian invitation. It wasn't an invitation to get saved. I was already saved. It was an invitation as a Christian to say, Lord, if you show me, if you make it clear to me, I'll go anywhere. No limitations. How can you cry last night, cry first service, and now I'm starting to cry again? I said, Lord, if you'll show me. I walked down that aisle, the same aisle that I'd walked down in that church a few weeks before to make public my faith in Jesus Christ. Now I was walking down that aisle saying, okay, Lord, wherever wherever, no limitations, Africa, where, I don't care, doesn't matter, God leads me to Christian college, after college, God led me here to St. Pete, Florida, technically now Pinellas Park, no, really, thank you, thank you, I appreciate that, I do appreciate that, thank you, I never planned on being a senior pastor, I came here to start a middle school ministry, I won't go into that whole story, right after I got here, Before I became the pastor, working at the Tampa airport for Piedmont Airlines, volunteering for the church, the idea would be if the church grew, financially increased, and they would add me on the staff. But at the time, I'm working for Piedmont Airlines. I get a phone call right after I get here from an old friend of mine from college. We had the privilege of traveling with a ministry around the world. We literally saw hundreds, even thousands of young people come to Christ through the ministry that we got to be a part of. And he called me, Dave, on the phone, and he said, this is, this is Dave. And I, he said, God is leading me to Africa to be a missionary. And I was praying, and you came to mind. And I thought the Lord was leading me to call you and ask if you would be a part of the team. And I was willing There was part of me that wanted to go to Africa because that seemed like grander, more of a sacrifice. But as I talked with Dave on the phone, I said, Dave, I would love to go to Africa and I would love to go to Africa with you. But I feel God has called me here. And I've been here ever since. Doggone it. (laughs) Crying again. You know what I did this past week? In a very fresh way, I said to the Lord, you make it clear, they can bury me in Pinellas Park. That's fine. But wherever you lead me, I'll go. 
I'll go. Just don't send me there, there, there. We're so glad that you joined us for today's edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you'd like to hear today's message again or more from Pastor Danny, visit ccfstpete.church. You're also invited to join our Bible reading plan. Just look under the Resources tab on our website for more information. This is a great way to dive into the Word of God. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join us in praying for the listeners of this program? You never know how someone might be impacted by hearing about God and His Word over the radio. So please pray that anyone listening today would be open to hearing the gospel message. We ask that you pray for soft hearts and receptive minds to the grace Jesus offers to everyone. Pray also that we'd continue to seek God's will for this program and that we'd have the courage to follow Him wherever He leads. As you pray, let us know if God would lead you to support the Living Word financially. If you'd like to give any amount to this ministry, please visit our website at ccfstpete.church and click on the Give tab. We're so grateful for the support. Thanks for praying with and for us. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Danny will share more on Christian basics next time, right here on The Living Word.